0: Gay SA Radio where you are family. In this series we listen to the discussions that were held during the South African LGBTI Business Summit setting an LGBTI economic empowerment agenda. The summit was held at the Equinox Centre at the Absa Capital in Santon in Johannesburg on Tuesday the 11th of September 2018. The purpose of this inaugural South African LGBTI Business Summit is to position LGBTI economic muscle in the business sphere by making a strong business case for the economic inclusion of LGBTI people and, by doing that, open up new business and other economic empowerment opportunities for LGBTI people. Discussions during the summit will demonstrate how this can be done, identify opportunities to make it happen, and craft strategies to overcome obstacles. In session two, the topic is the commercial case, evaluating the LGBTI commercial and talent market. The Pink Rand and other similar studies have looked at the spending power of LGBTI people and their influence across market segments to inform marketing and revenue-generating strategies for corporates. The session explored the commercial case for LGBTI inclusion in business strategies with the panelists
1: holistic well a more focused way and that's what we're going to do now going you shift focus entirely into The commercial case that needs to be made in order to be recognized as a business community a lgbti business community Why should any company or any government or organization? uh, Think that this is the right thing to do. What's the simple business case that we're trying to make here today? And that's a question that Conti uh, Pai is actually going to try to answer with his panel. Uh, he's from a Nascence Advisory and Research. It's, it's a discussion that everybody needs to listen to quite carefully because um, when you go back to try to tell people about this summit and why we actually want to be recognized this specific way, this is going to give us that economic clout and the muscle that we need to flex when it comes to backing up the argument going forward. Conti?
2: Good morning, everyone. It's really wonderful and an honor to be here at this secret club. <laughs> I say that only because actually trying to get through here, I thought I'll finally be invited to some of those London clubs that you can never get to, and it takes about eight doors <laughs> to get through after I've taken the train. But um, it really is great to actually um, to join in with all of you. This was me when I still had lots of hair, since these days I'm balding a little bit. Um, the commercial case is dwindling, um, and we're going to talk about this, and I think sometimes we forget how many of you have been watching the Nike ads, um, yeah, and it's been interesting to watch them, right, because actually at some point a business like Nike to take such a strong stand for inclusion, for transformation, for justice is a huge thing, and usually we see both sides of the coin, right, the first one is that actually it gets them customers, right, because if you look at them and they are, they present themselves as an organization that is about rights and everybody thinks, you know, I want to associate with those guys. But also, the danger on the other side, as we saw people burning their Nikes, but there's a great picture of the of the burnt Nike shoe that actually Nike is now designed to actually sell, but you get, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks um, great because on both sides, there's the commercial case in which you say you're going to make more money, and then there's the side of the commercial case that can lose the customers, and often, um, we don't push enough of the commercial case which people can make money because there's all this risk. Businesses will say, you know, we're facing a lot of big risks because our core clients will walk away from us. And often we actually don't say, well, actually, you don't know what you could be losing. But also we haven't actually talked to them about who, um, is their, who are their core clients and who else they mean um, to attract. In the research that we did at the foundation on the big rent, one of the key things we looked at was to say, it's not just the people who you actually, you know, who are LGBT people, but also their allies, right? Because obviously, if you are excluding my friends, I'm most likely not to participate. I mean, um, I've had one or two occasions which I've been treated very badly at a restaurant and my friends walked away without to And I think that's an important kind of thing when we actually make them understand that actually it's about also their allies. So what we are trying to do is to actually to get to that, to prove the commercial case in the and cents, and actually in the extensions of it. So we're going to do that with my panel um, today. Um, my first panelist I will call in is Janine Ferreira, who is with Vodacom. Janine, Please give her a round of applause. And then also uh, White, who is with the VMC South Africa. The way we're gonna run it is, they will give about five minute uh, introductions, points in terms of um, you know just laying out the land in terms of their own perspectives. And then we will take a couple of questions here and then um, open it up. Again, discussion, try and be robust as possible. Um, and I'm not as generous uh, as the previous moderator. I will cut you off. No, <laughs> Janine, we'll start with you.
3: Cool. Um, so, it's, it's a very interesting topic and, um, you know, I just think about where, where do we as Vodacom and, and really Vodafone fit in um, because as a, I mean, as a global company, I really think we're making strides in, in taking a stand and supporting the, you know, the community, but then the question is always, are we doing enough? Um, and I was, I was lucky enough to, to attend a senior leadership LGBT summit in London uh, between Vodafone and, and Google about a month and a half ago and it was an amazing it was an amazing experience, especially you know, meeting colleagues of mine from all over the world and, and just sharing stories and experiences. Um, but all of that was, was based on research that Vodafone did globally. Um, and and you know I believe that you have to clean your own house first before you know before going outwards and I think that is what Vodafone is doing really well is I am um, showing inclusivity internally. Um, and and coming up with with new ways to to support the community and to to, to show support. Um, So what we we did is is Vodafone ran a survey survey with a company called OutNow and they surveyed about 3,000 people from LGBTI people from across the world. And um, there's there's some really interesting stats that I'd just like to share with you to start off with. So uh, 58% of people are not open at work. One in three people went back into the closet when starting a new job. Um, because of 60, 60% of them fear discrimination, 42 feared that their career prospects would be worse, and 33% fear that they will not get a promotion. Um, one in five people say that being out at work and coming out at work is the hardest thing they've ever had to do, um, and that's why 76% of them have hidden it for so long. Only 29% of lesbian women are out at work, and only 44% of gay men are out at work. And... Eighty-three percent of all the people surveyed said that the only thing that they need is clear visibility of leaders at work and clear support of the company that they work for to make them feel inclusive and included. And um, you know, for me that is that is that is step one, right? Support the community and the community will support you. But but start internally, and that's why I'm proud of you know, of, of being involved in the LGBT um, you know, committee at, at Vodafone, but you know, especially in, in South Africa. So, so just to give you a couple of stuff that, that we are doing at, uh, at Vodacom internally and then externally is uh, we refreshed our, our code of conduct. Um, we now have inclusive messaging on job postings, so um, just a simple line. Like at Vodacom, we have zero tolerance for homophobia, transphobia, and biphobia. Something that simple. So you come and work here, do not go there because there will be repercussions. Uh, We do bias training uh, that now includes LGBTI people and not just race, gender and disability. Um, We have graduate induction and leadership programs across the world. And then we've got a very interesting thing called the embassy system. Um, Vodafone, obviously, we're in Qatar, for example, where where there's there's, there's, there's obviously religious issues um, with regards to being LGBTI. And what they have is this embassy system where they, where they, they are very strict about be who you want to be within the walls of this company, and we will protect you within the walls of this company. So, as a as a gay person, you can work for Vodafone, Vodafone Qatar. Unfortunately, the moment you step outside, what happens then? And I think that's that's a big opportunity for corporate. <coughs> and how do we how do we get um how do we get involved? And then externally, I, it's just a story, but a couple of years ago, I phoned a call center and I wanted to put my girlfriend, who I lived with at that point in time, on my insurance. I wanted to insure her car. And I said to the call center agent, uh, my girlfriend, and this guy could not get himself to call on my girlfriend for the whole call. My friend. Your, and, and what is your friend's occupation? And you know, I could hear how he's shifting on his chair on the other side. So. Um, now, I love calling her my fiancé, and that's, that's even better, you know, and I can't wait to call her my wife next year. But um, I, think, <laughs> I think something that's, um, that's, that's really important and what we're trying to drive in, in Vodacom especially is do, do training for our frontline staff, do training for our call center staff. Um, please, when you guys phone in, test them, okay? And if they do not come back and they do not respect you, call me. And um, I will take personal responsibility for, for fixing that, because everybody in here has customers, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh,
4: thanks very much, John. Cool, Is this working, yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm Donna White. And um, as you can see, I work at VML South Africa. And it's one of um, Africa's biggest advertising agencies, actually. Um, and I'm in the privileged position to be the lead marketing strategist on many of the big corporates in South Africa. So, I touch on beer, I touch on banking, I've touched on retail, um, I've even done the chocolates that you guys absolutely love. Um, and for me, the biggest thing is um, being, being able to have worked on a bank for the longest time is being able to educate the bank on uh, the economy that we actually bring in. And the topic is pink rand, right? (laughs) So um, the biggest problem that I do have when trying to educate um, a specific client about the pink rand is um, basically they keep wanting data. And I think that comes back to what you were saying now, is that when when you phoned in to try to get your girlfriend insured, there wasn't a line in the form to say, it's your girlfriend. We're stuck in those structured little ways that don't allow us to collect that data. Um, and therefore, you can't actually motivate any form of commercial case. And the problem is that from a governmental point of view, when census data comes around, there's no question about it. Um, we don't have, there are, I mean, there are a lot of studies that have gone on um, that have tried to get some form of empirical evidence on trying to quantify the LGBT community in South Africa, but there really isn't a way that we can actually quantify it. And we have to try and extrapolate things and try and make it representative to a South African um, audience and a South African population. And the problem is that when we do that, we start wondering, are we 10% of the population? Are we 1.2% of the population? I mean, how big are we? And um, really, what is the financial um, impact that we can have in South Africa? And it's, it's being quantified, I think, um, in a few studies. So um, Lunchbox Media in 2012, I think everybody's probably read that. Um, it's probably one of the most, uh, the most statistical studies that we can find because of the number of respondents that they had. Um, they really found that um, that we had about 10,000 uh, 10, rand disposable income um, in 2012 a, as an average, so if we put it at 50% of us, um, and I say us, yes, me, we can definitely put me as the G in LGBT um, and the fact that Lindiwe earlier said that we have a buying power of 53 billion rand in South Africa, and that we don't that's a modest, a modest little figure that we need to put there and the problem is that we look at LGBT in South Africa as a little bit of a microcosm, and we tend to underestimate ourselves and we say, oh, we're just a minority in this, in this world, but the fact of the matter is, is that the LGBT community, because we've been so left out in terms of economics and representation in this country, is that we've looked to international communities, and we are. We're an absolute international community. Who celebrated India last week? Um, I'm pretty sure we all did. Yeah. We know what's happening in other countries because, quite frankly, we're one culture. It doesn't matter who we are, or what, what we look like, what race we are, what religion we are, if we have a religion, we're one culture across this world. And the fact of the matter is, is that the pink rand is actually a complex international economy. And that's something we need to take into account. So there was a really great. Um, piece of work that were, that won at Cannes, it was 13 um, Cannes lines that have won this year, um, and it was done by PFLAG in Canada, right? And it's called Destination Pride. And I, I really urge everybody to go to Destination Pride and have a look at it online, because what they've done really nicely with the data is being able to break down your geolocation into how safe it is to travel to that country, right? And when we say that we're an international community, where are we going to travel to? We're going to travel quite safe, right? So what, this, uh, what Destination Pride does is that they've turned the Pride flag into uh, statistical indicators to say it's safe for you to go there, there are gender rights, um, there are gay conversion therapy is, has been banned, go there, right? We're in a technical recession, and if we have a look at the fact that, and my stat here say that is $480 billion every year, that's 10% of the global travel economy comes from the LGBTI community. That global pink dollar, that global pink currency could actually boost South Africa's economy where we're at, right? And the fact of the matter is, is that if we are looking after our own people and showcasing our own values within our own markets will be able to attract a whole lot more investment into this country, right? So a couple of things that we need to be able to do in order to make our own people feel heard is get over the fact that um, 57% of us feel ignored, that 76% of us, well, we can't get over the fact that, um, sorry, let me go back again, 57% of us feel ignored in the marketing sphere which is something that I try and fight every single day, and 41% of us feel ignored. And when we do actually get some form of representation in the media, we'll end up being a bit of a pun and a joke. And thanks, florist.
2: <laughs>
4: Harold's not my friend. <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is that 76% of us, when we are represented quite nicely in the media, and they're talking to us, that we'll actually buy that product. Am I right? Would yeah. you have used that insurance again?
3: Okay. Which one? The ones I didn't want to take? Call my girlfriend, my girlfriend. <laughs> You're not using I them, didn't right. take the card. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> a, that's
4: the problem. Yeah. Is that we won't actually use them, and we'll go for brands that will actually start representing us really, really nicely. And I've got another example for you, um, is Coca Cola in Brazil. Has anybody seen uh, is a is a Coca Fanta? At all. Everybody, even we saw it. See, you guys are already playing into me. We are an international community. We all know everything that happens all over the world. So they won five can alliances, this year. And the fact of the matter is, is that because Koch actually tried to tackle the stigma and went down to a deep core human truth and didn't just try to represent me, uh, didn't just try and show some form of tolerance. By the way, I don't want to be tolerated, I'll be respected. Tolerance is that you you don't necessarily have to like me, but you won't hurt me. I will not be hurt, and I will not be tolerated. I'll be respected. Mm. So Coca-Cola came in with the respect, and they tapped into a full human truth of the fact that we need to be represented and get rid of stigmas. The fact of the matter is that it was Brazil's most organic, the highest reaching organic campaign that they've ever had in an online environment. They had a billion media impressions, and based on that, 20 million LGBT people in Brazil landed up buying 16 million cans of Coke. I'm sorry if that's not telling you to tap into a human truth and represent what the value of a pink rand can be, I don't know what else. so bottom line is, is that, A, at a political level, we need to get data to represent us. That, that for one is, is it. Education. Only 20% of us actually know our rights in the Constitution. We need to, as brands, we need to educate that. And that starts at the workplace, like, Jeanine, like you said. Um, and The fact of the matter is, is that through marketing communication, we need to normalize. We need to normalize who we are and represent us. Because the fact of the matter is that there might have been a tenfold increase in us being accepted in this country, but the fact of the matter is that 70% still think that we're disgusting people. Mm. And that for me is... offset. Oh. <laughs> so, the fact is also here yeah, is that we need to look at the many different aspects of this. We have a very complex economy and a very complex pink rant. Being LGBT in South Africa, unfortunately, is still a white privilege. 70% of white people are okay to come out where 50% for a black person is not. And there are problems there. We need to educate the Constitution, and we need to educate that it's not okay to use violence on anybody. 1% of people in South Africa would hurt us. That's 450,000 attacks that would happen a year. We can stop that. We need to live if we're gonna drive this economy, guys. Thank you.
2: Um, I wanted to ask I I was making that example while you're on this as a strategist. That you know, with the Nike, I think some people were burning them. I mean Nick uh, I think it was Nick Cannon who went and bought yeah. at one store all the socks and then he went and distributed them. So that's one positive story. But it's only ten percent. Why don't you tell a client who says, Well, I like this idea of ten percent of spending, but I don't want to lose ninety percent of the spending. What kind of answer do you
4: want to give to that person of the spending power? Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that I'd say, um, what are your core values as a business? That's actually what it comes down to. Mm. Is that would you be willing to risk revenue to stay true to yourself, or would you rather give up what your promise has been to all your customers over the time and make a small margin on that? And for me. It's about value and dignity over money, any day.
2: For um, you, I mean, obviously, as a as a marketing strategist, what are the key ways that Vodacom would actually think about it? I mean, I haven't honestly seen any ad about Vodacom that says, "Well, you know, we are pro pink or yeah. pro elderly people." What are the key ways to actually externalise that?
3: Look, I think I think it's important. So there's a couple of things, right? Start start internally, and I think that's the that's the big drive that 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 Vodafone is on at this point in time. Um, and yes, there's there's external PR around and all of those things, but it's still very much an internal kind of let's educate our staff internally and let's get it, let's move it on. Then the thing for me is as a and I mean I I sit in the in the segment marketing team at Vodacom, so we segment people every single day, you know. And do I want to be segmented as an LGBTI? plus part of a community i don't know you know do i want to be segmented as a mother definitely you know there's there's so much more about me than being lgbti i just want again i don't want to be tol- i also don't want to be tolerated but i want you as a company to you know prove through your actions that you support my lifestyle and that you are okay with my lifestyle and because of that i will support you so i think you i mean it, <laughs> Is it necessary to have, you know, a two dads in an ad? Yes. I think at this point, yes? yes. I think yes. at this point in yes. South Africa yes. it still is. I think there's countries where it's not necessary anymore. You know, I think you I think you do it. You know, maybe, maybe you disagree, and you, I'm happy. Happy to hear that you disagree, right? right? But I think at this point in South Africa it is still very much important because we need to take a stand and we need to prove a point and we need to, you know, it, there's, there's almost a way of, you know, we have to put it out there. We need to show that that is normal and that is the way it is. And you know, then in my mind I hope that fifty years from now or hundred years from now, I don't know how long it's gonna take us, we'll get to a point where it is just being, you know, and that but we're not there. So as a you know, as a corporate I totally I, I totally believe that we need to stand up and we need to be more visible. Um, at this point in time, like I said, in a Vodafone perspective, they're doing a really great job internally. Next step is externally, and me as an employee of Vodafone will keep them will keep them honest, and I will make sure that I drive them to, to take it external.
4: Can I? Can I jump in that for the two dads in an ad? <laughs> so we live in the 21st century as well, like let's be real, like most of us absolutely love our digital media, right? So to jump into that for a brand is to be absolutely representative um, and be a, and if we have enough data we can go into a programmatic marketing space, which, necessar- which doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have two dads in an ad and a TV ad. That's going up because TV, by within the next two to four years, is going to be programmatic media anyway, and we're going to need data on that anyway. So, all ads should then show two dads to two dads anyway.
2: Mm.
4: Okay, cool, thank you very much. Because we have little time, let's
2: take some questions. Okay, there's one, two, three, and then we'll do another three. Okay, work,
5: work. thank you, thank you guys. Um, no, yeah. but um, my question is: um, th- these policies, maybe from a Vodacom perspective, these policies that you introduce, right, to 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 create awareness, to educate, to to put your foot down and say we are we have a no nonsense approach in terms of discrimination. Yeah. Who does who 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 are the players involved in terms of uh, tailoring those policies? Uh, number one and number two: how, like for an example, you can say yes, uh, we don't we don't. Allow this. We don't tolerate this. But how do you keep your guys, you, yourselves, in check yeah. in terms of the actual practical application, a, a, as well as not infringing on other people's rights within that space? Yeah. So, because there are a lot of organisations that do this for rights, like the other foundation, I do this as, as as a job. But who sits around the table and decides that this is the wording? These are the policies that we're putting into place. So it's an interesting... No, before you answer, we'll take a couple oh, of... Oh, cool. Yes, Will look.
6: Um, hi thank you very much to all um, to all three of you I guess I've got a question that was raised by something you said Dono if there has been such a good use of the geolocation would it not be a good idea to try that in South Africa and geolocate LGBTI friendly businesses but the downside of that is what if either of your businesses fall foul of that and you have to go on the bad side of the geo- geolocation so there's you know I mean I, just a question it would be a good idea for us to know which businesses in South Africa and to, you know for you to use your economic muscle just to get that going so that people can know and can see where they can do where they can do business of and then to hold those businesses to account and then we had a question over there
7: right? uh it, it relates back to my earlier points about tourism i think we, we're talking about individual companies uh, where you could represent certain brands or vodacom we, you have a certain limit of your, the impression that you can do. And then in this room, we could say a certain amount of corporates will have a certain impression. I want to approach this from a sector-driven point of view. And We talk about data. There's a significant amount of data data in tourism globally, which can be, unfortunately, extrapolated to South Africa, because, as you said, we don't have enough data. Um, but effectively speaking, we're talking about an industry globally that employs between 6 and 7% of the global population. So it, it matters. In terms of South Africa's economic growth, too, we're looking at about 8% growth potential in the tourism sector alone if we approach to it. So when we're, when we're looking at these policies, we're saying, are we just going to deal with a Vodacom, a Coca-Cola, a Cadbury's, or are we going to deal with a sector, manufacturing, tourism, services driven, fi- the financial services driven uh, side of things. I see APSA's has left the room. Is apps still here? We are there. Hi. So, so the financial services sector also employs, but it's the sector that makes the change and not the big corporate. But it might be the franchisee who has a shop, a Vodacom shop for argument's sake, and how they treat their employees, how we conscientize the employees in a sector, like we're trying to do in tourism, to say you have certain rights, fundamentally basic conditions of employment, but then beyond that, the subtle homophobia, biophobia, and transphobia that we're experiencing. So I'm just putting it to you. Let's not... Forget that the sector is as important in terms of a commercially driven strategy as in the
2: individual company itself. Look, I mean, I, I, I Before you take away the mic, I want to just stay on this question for a little bit. So we had some data actually. Part of the uh, how we started um, this network, we had a, a conference which was actually about travel and tourism, and there was, we understood that it was about 240 billion in the US alone in dollars. Uh, in this Sorry, I'm going I'm to have to check you. There is actually not because if we look
7: at the, the, the UNWTO that looks at data and your most recently globally accepted figures, yeah. the US was about sixty five billion dollars and globally okay. about two hundred eleven. We'd to like
2: to inflate, but we need to come back come to more back to conservative right. figures. Okay. So that's what they said. But in terms of talking about a sector, how do you engage a sector? You know what I mean? Because it's okay, it's, it's enough to talk to Vodacom and say, you know, let's int- introduce me to Vodacom, introduce me to Ups. How would we engage a sector on, the, on a commercial basis? That's what I'm trying to get at? Well, I'm
7: very and glad that counter. you raised that because that's effectively what we've been doing in the tourism sector for the last three and a half years at industry level events where we're talking about world travel market Africa in Cape Town, tourism in Darber in, Je- in Durban, meetings Africa in Johannesburg. So the tourism sector is slowly but surely being very significantly engaged because when you send out a message to the sector, it's not the big employers like at Sun, you know, a la Vodacom, a la Coca-Cola, but it's your individual tour operator, the individual guide, the guest house owner, they're being engaged with the message far more effectively. So we talk about bringing about change, I'm sorry, tourism is going to be, have to be right up front there in the industry sectors that we engage
2: with first. Great, thank you. Um, we'll take on the, do you want to do the answers?
3: Um, so from a, so what, how it worked at, a, at, at Vodafone from a, a policy perspective is they engaged with Stonewall, um, who's, in, who's in the UK, um, and majority of the, the kind of policy building sat there. It's very interesting, because obviously the European market is a lot more liberal, right? So the policy landed in, in, in South Africa and a couple of our African opcos and the guys were like, no, this is not happening, we, I don't know, what is, what is this LGBTI you speak of? You know, so, um, so, so locally, locally there's, there's been a lot of engagement with especially senior leaders in the business that falls, that falls within the LGBTI community. Um, and we've had input on on the local the local versions of our uh, of our policies Um, so it wasn't just an HR you know exercise which is great Um, again I think there's a lot of opportunities especially now because they they started including the senior leadership which is really nice you know because before that HR tried to drive all of these things and it just never never really happened Um, because there's now a, 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 a very big senior leadership Um, kind of constituency that's part of this Uh, we now also we can make some decisions and we can drive some 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 new ways of doing things and one of that is really to start engaging um, you know the 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 kind of communities outside of Vodacom so yourself and you know the other foundation and to start engaging these guys and get some get some more more input I think engaging plus would be amazing as well Um, so it's a work in progress it is still very new, um, I'm not going to lie, it was, in, in my opinion, it was a year ago, two years ago, it was a tick box, a tick box exercise, um, as a lot of things are in corporate. But I'm here today because I will, I will never sit in front of my community and be positive about something I don't believe in. And I, am, I can sit here today and I can say that as a, as a company, they've made so many strides, they've included the right people, and they want to make a change, and they want to get involved. So so that is why I'm here today, and that's why I'm positive, otherwise I would have never come. So I don't know if that answers your question. Cool.
4: Cool. I'm getting onto the geolocation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weddings. The, the weddings, and that's obviously something that comes with the tourism industry, right, is that we can boost the, the small business area there. I think um, I think for me, if we take a step back from that, I mean, you were saying you wanted to geolocate where all small businesses are um, and how we can actually do a boosting business network. Is Is that? Am I right businesses that are open and friendly, but also that all oh, right, okay, cool um so I think the 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 biggest thing is again is that it's a normalization and and I'm going to take a couple of steps back on that, is that? people aren't going to be willing to give up data if they aren't willing to share that data. And you need to make people feel comfortable with being able to share that data. So that's like the first the first hurdle that we need to overcome. Obviously there's great tools that we can start using um, to locate audiences um, and create custom audiences based on how people behave in an online space. Um, However, when it starts getting into that subjective space of you're a homophobe or um, you're you're pro-gay or you're pro-LGBT, that becomes a a subjective piece that we need to start adding into it. And that's definitely something we need to start working with, with the likes of a Facebook who's very pro-LGBT. um, and start being able to build up that database a little bit more. The problem is getting people to come forward to say, I am, an, I am a gay or a lesbian business owner, for one, and I'm okay with it, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, and, the se- and making them okay with that, because when they're okay with that, we get more data. Um, and, and I mean, after that, we'll be able to know more in terms of how we can actually do it. I think right now we have to go on assumptions again. Uh, but again, forums and subjectivities also going to help quite a lot.
2: Could I, uh, by a show of hands, how many people, if they were to be asked when they actually are, you know, trying to uh, book accommodation, but they're actually more than willing to say, I'm booking, I'm, or to tell the, um, tour uh, agent, I am I'm gay, lesbian, by how many people would actually be willing to say that? Mm. <laughs> not everyone surprising, it's actually not, it's, it's not even nearly 50% from where I'm standing. I, I just wish I had some And this is And me. this is actually an interesting thing, right? Because... Yeah, girl. <laughs> this is an interesting thing, actually, in many ways, because businesses actually first have to put themselves out there as such for, you know what I mean, for us to actually say so to them, right, at the same time. Because if you put yourself out there as a business, you say, well, actually I want the pink Grant. The pink brand must say they are paid for it to, to come to you. Yeah. And it's interesting that actually not everybody in this room is of the voice that actually businesses should put them out, themselves out there. You know. And then, second round of questions, we're taking one there, there was one that was, was that over there, uh, and then another
8: one, and then one here. Okay. Good. So I just wanted to make an observation. I run one of South Africa's um, leading LGBT gay news websites and I've been doing that for 17 years. And in those 17 years, I can count on one hand the amount of campaigns that we've run on our sites that target specifically target our community, in which there is some kind of creative or the ad actually says something to us as a community. And that for me is appalling. Um, there is something wrong with the fact that we live in South Africa with a constitution that we have, and we are far behind the rest of or many places in the rest of the world when it comes to talking to our community in terms of marketers speaking to our community and i'd really like to know why that is why is it that none of our corporates are willing to publicly associate themselves with our community they are not whether it be the vodacoms whether it be the NTNs, whether it be the standard banks the absas none of them none of them are, are prepared to associate themselves publicly with our community but they have their affinity groups, which is fantastic, yeah. and they're doing all the good work within the companies, but they do not want to be seen with us. That but is the reality. Because if they associate themselves,
2: is, is the market willing to associate back? Them? That is the fear. Well, well, no, I
8: think their fear is, will they, will they offend the mainstream? Because we are a conservative country. So I think the concern, in my, what I've been told, is why go there? I mean, give, I give an interesting example of just the absurdity of some of this. A few years ago, we ran a campaign for net and we were provided <laughs> just for Valentine's Day. No, no, it's not what you think. For Valentine's Day, right? So the banners that we received from the agency showed a guy giving a girl a rose. And th- this campaign specifically, they they got our 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 website involved in this campaign. It wasn't just a network ad. And I was. I, unbelievable how do you know it was at,
2: I mean you know we have trans men trans women how could you have known that I couldn't have known but
8: it was the, it was the same ad that was shown everywhere else alright well, okay. we'll,
2: get, we'll get somebody actually from the audience to answer that
9: one uh, my question yeah. has just been asked so I'll wait for the answer <laughs> okay you because we that? had projects that we, we intended to do and this is exactly what we're facing the corporates are just disassociate themselves from the projects, so okay. that's what we, I wanted to check with, with check. the team.
5: And then there was a question. So mine is similar, mine is from inside the corporate sphere, we've been trying to, sorry I'm Tom, we from FMB. we've been trying to get an affinity group going or something like that, and every time we ask they're like, oh there's a diversity forum, or there's an inclusion forum yeah. or something, yeah. and so much so that like, so this is a question I guess, but like last month, where really it being women's month, we had one, um, lesbian woman who is profiled, but like one line at the bottom, member of the LGBT community. So it
2: increases oh,
5: that's okay. Okay. Um, Just with one random line at the bottom saying, you know, proud member of the LGBT community, which is fine because then it's not a big thing, it's fine, it's included, but is that enough? You know, is that now a blanket statement to try and, you know, if there is intersectionality, that's fine, but yeah. Okay.
2: interesting. You
3: want to just start up. in terms of your procurement, is to happen with regard to
9: you know what percentages are going to be allocated and how's that measured, etc. It's
3: being started. Um, I can't comment much on it because I haven't been involved in it, but I know it is on the it's on the table and it is something they're looking at. Um, so uh, let me find out. And then is then I'll it be, a
1: legitimate attempt to try It, yes. is, it?
3: Yeah. it, is, it is, and it's It's something that's being forced down from a Vodafone group perspective. So this is being rolled out across all Vodacom um, opcos and Vodafone opcos. I'm just not 100% sure where in the process we are, but I'll, I'll find out and actually give you feedback because I think it's important.
2: Are you going to answer?
3: So the question, oh. um, so the question is, to
2: answer, how the do we <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
5: So the question that I want to pose is how do we overcome this RLB-GTI where
2: the companies are not coming forth? Uh,
3: I mean, I think it needs to be discussed in depth. Mm. And I think we need to come to a resolution about it because the big companies
6: need to allocate money, Mm. need funding, in order to help this happen and
3: they need to come to the puppy yeah.
2: it, it, it's simple um, I think that we should have an in-depth discussion about it. can I just I can't believe you just call my panel <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway, we, I thought there was some answer that was going to come there um, a response huh? oh Okay, yeah, go ahead
9: all right so I, I'm going to tackle that one because I've, I've been thinking about this for a very long time um, in South Africa, the, the, I mean, the preamble to the Constitution was read out earlier. We recognize the injustices of the past. And then there's also the non-discrimination clause. The state will not discriminate, uh, unfairly discriminate against anybody on the basis of X, Y, and Z. We took it a step further with the Broad-Based uh, Black Economic Empowerment Act to say not only will the state not discriminate, it won't just remain neutral in the face of, dis- of, of structural racism. It will, the, the, the clause will have teeth. When it comes to uh, broad-based black economic empowerment, we did the same thing with gender equality and skills development and BE and equity um, empl- um, employment equity. But we have not actually pressurised government to do the same thing in terms of um, sexual orientation. It's as though racism was more important to prioritise ahead of homophobia. So I call BS on on the way our le- our legal framework is, is is formulated. We cannot be like businesses. Get not just they get rebates and all sorts of other incentives for for complying to BEE and employment equity. They should be getting a reward from government for funding LGBTI plus initiatives and upliftment programs. But currently, I don't know of any that exist from from the state side. And I think there should just be more pressure on government to look into that. Thank you. Can I just
3: on on that? Just one just one thing is and and just to, to comment to what you were saying. Well, I, th- I personally think that there's not enough pressure from employees to their employers. And I think that is, that's one of the biggest problems, is LGBTI people in corporates just let things go. You know, if there's, a, if there's a case of racism in a corporate, you see people stand up. You see people go, this is enough, we're not taking it. If there's, if there's a case of sexism in a corporate, you see people stand up and say they're not taking it. But I have personally sat in meetings where people have made homophobic, you know, comments, and then, small things, small, you know, homophobic comments. And I was sitting there and I knew for a fact I was not the only LGBTI person in that room and I was the only one that stood up and said something. So I think there is there's a case to be made for us to start driving this in the companies we work for and especially the people in corporate. We, we keep quiet, and because of that, we fall part of this research of, I'm scared to say something because I'm not going to get a promotion. And that is BS. Back to what you said. Sorry.
2: But on the research thing, uh, we're going to... Just one quick. But. <laughs> um, that actually, I really do want people to reflect very strongly on this. When we, um, we were doing some of the research, one of the key things was, you find a piece of research, and that, you know, this company says, we did... Uh, research of the Cape Town market by which they actually just talk to white gay men in Cape Town. Yes. <laughs> and that's all the research that you've got. So part of our, the robustness of our discussions actually relies on who actually we are talking to and who are we reflecting in companies. Um, and then parts of our sectors of our society and our community about discrimination is exactly on this point, right, about who we're talking to, what research they are. When we say the tourism industry, by whom do we mean the tourism industry? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. I'm going to give you a very short answer. Because Very very shortly, just to pick up on what Lewis was saying and and what others have been saying about the corporate
7: involvement, Um, qualitative research has shown that brands, not just how they advertise, but when they associate their sponsorship with a community event, any kind of community event, significantly affects the positive brand association within the community. The second point in terms of consumers, and you asked the question, Who in the room would identify themselves as gay before they go to book? A lot of LGBTI consumers, including myself, don't feel it's necessary. I should just be booking in as a consumer. So rather than asking the question, where is the community to stand up and please identify me so that you can sell to me, you don't have to do that. You must know that I exist. We're giving you enough. That's the purpose of this forum. We're giving you enough data to say... Sorry, you cannot exclude this. And if you really you want to know? boost, That's your, data if, if you really want to boost yourselves, and this significant data, I'm happy to share it with you. But I'm saying there's significant wait. ways to to boost your revenue if you make positive and inclusive messaging to the community.
2: No, so where does the bank get the data of how many LGBTI people do they have? Because, for example, when they do those surveys in which they ask, "Are you black or white?", they're actually asking to know how many black people they have in their how would they know any other way? Yeah, that's do? a very
7: valid point, because you're asking about structural inaccuracies in terms of how they get collecting their data. As you point, where's the tick-box exercise saying, are you gay, lesbian, bi, trans, and then, of course, the, the full spectrum yeah. of our identity? That's not happening. But having to said that, a lot of consumer marketing is based on... Um, either qualitative or quantitative research and that draws on a lot of assumptions so we can still use that data to, to verify and justify why corporates should take a small amount of their budget and allocate it either to a community event or inclusively in terms of imaging simply create inclusive imagery in the marketing message it does not require me to prove with an affidavit to a corporate why they should do it it's just the consumer should not be having to do that the business's
2: responsibility is to do that so okay. if I great i'm going to give you your last word and last word here, so let me take one here and then the two your banners okay. 30 seconds
6: i mean I, I guess i just wanted to speak to the point that equality comes at a cost yeah, and I think that if you was a corporation, because business is about making money, the capitalist economy is about making money, and there's a cost to equality, and I think that that speaks to the question that you raised, that for people to come to the party, they are going to be, it's going to hit them where it matters most, and the recognition that despite the legal frameworks, despite the sort of kumbaya reaching and grasp of our constitution, the fact of the matter is that when people are gonna lose money, you know, those values become secondary and go out of the window, um, and I think that this, this, this goes for as much as the LGBTI community as it does for race and gender, because a company's bottom line would be fundamentally altered if the people who did the most work and the dirtiest work in an institution got paid um, the same as the people who do the big thinking work at the top. So there's a cost to it, and you know, it's not, it's not goodwill. Um, it, it, there are serious questions about equality and equity in the context of the political economy that we have and I think that's the elephant in the room, that when it comes down to the pocket and to money, um, the ethics and the constitution and all those issues do go out of the window.
4: Thanks. 30 seconds of my panel, and we run it up. Okay, yeah, 30 seconds on. I just wanted to tackle your panel with Ned Flores, my fave. Um, <laughs> and it also comes down to the fact that you were saying that industries need to actually change, right? And we're seeing right now there's a bit of a shift in the creative industry where we are starting to be very transforma- uh, transformative in terms of LGBTI um, LGBT rights. Um, VML, for example. We are probably about 20% LGBTI, and we're pretty proud of that. And we ensure that those work on every single client so that we do, when we look at a platform, we go, right, how's it going to be representative of all those people? And if your agency doesn't have that, then VML's open for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Your last think, one?
3: Um, and, and I'm going I'm to add to what you just said. I think there's, there's specific industries where we are more represented, advertising being one of them. Um, in my opinion, I think we need to start where we have the numbers, and we need to start there. We need to support the industries that don't have have that. Um, I think procurement is exceptionally important. Um, I think there's a there's a legal case to be made. But then going back to to one of the the guys there at the back that said, um, you know, we need we need the involvement of government, and we need we we need those structures to be almost enforced. Um, so so yeah, that's 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 from my from my perspective. I think. You know, the, the, the things that I constantly say is start, start, in, start inside, um, get, get your staff on board because then it will, it will reflect outside and I also think that us as the LGBTI plus community need to start standing up more internally and start forcing our management to, to take a stand because if we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it.
1: Cool,
2: thank you very much. Look, I mean there's simply no doubt that the one thing that we miss sometimes is actually the effect and the importance of the consumer. In this country, part of the way actually a party fell apart was because of consumer boycotts. Because once your consumers walk away from you, you know you have nobody else. Yeah. And if as you would have people say, look, actually, if I don't say a sign, you know, much like the signs we see about probably South African and all those things, we're just not coming. But at the same time, maybe because we can't prove money, what we can do is to find out from different businesses, have you done better than others because you have done this? And it might actually be useful. But clearly, this needs to continue. We need to actually talk a little bit more about it, gather the data. It must be as diverse as possible and as deep as possible. But thank you very much, everybody, and continue the conversation.
1: Thank Thanks, guys. That was really interesting. Isn't it amazing to hear that stat that less than 50% of people in the LGBTI community are not out in the workplace? Eighteen, I think it's astounding. I mean, in my company, maybe because it's a media company and we flaunt it like it's nobody's business, <laughs> you know, um, we see you. I'm in the majority. In the majority. Um, Donna said that 57% of uh, people feel ignored in the market sphere, especially when it comes to advertising. We're underrepresented. We want to see men adopting. We want to see women and ads, in a loving relationship, gesturing towards each other, holding each other. We want to see that because it, it'll, it'll ultimately lead to normalizing. And I'm, I'm sorry to use the word normalizing because there's no need to normalize the LGBTI community, but just for those people who won't accept it, if they keep seeing it, it becomes normal to them. And that's a way we can get through it. I'm glad to say that I represent a part of that community on TV and I proudly do so for the rest of my life. All right, it's time for a tea break. We're going to shorten it because we have run over a bit. I mean, the conversation is quite interesting, so we're letting it, uh, you know, go through a little longer than we planned. A fifteen-minute tea coffee break, and then we'll come back, revitalise, and we'll look at other areas of the discussion. Thank you.
0: This is Gay SA Radio's coverage of the South African LGBTI Business Summit.